welcome to Stidia Cast, where Stidia trash meets Stidia garbage to be a complete Stidia dumpster heap. This season, we are talking about the episodes of Teen Wolf that have made us laugh, cry, and fangirl. Because Lydia Martin loves Style Stalinsky and he loves her too. This is Stidia Cast, and Canon is maybe finally delivering. And welcome to season three, episode four of City of Cast, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, we are talking about season six, episode four of Teen Wolf. And just for a heads up, this is going to be not spoiler free for the clip about Styles and Peter that was released immediately after the episode, but it will be a spoiler free for the wall scene. We're not going to talk about the wall scene that got released by the MTV YouTube account. So if you don't want to hear about that, you don't have to worry about being spoiled. We're not going to go into it this week. That'll be for next week. Um, but first things first, my name is Rachel. I'm Ron Gasm on Tumblr. My name is Rachel, and I'm It's Always Lydia on Tumblr. I'm Maggie, and I'm Redster and Banshee on Tumblr. And I'm Rachel, and I'm Madgrad2011 on Tumblr. So you've got, like, every single Lydia stan in, in the, like, all in one episode. But we, if at the beginning... Like, you gotta be, love Lydia, have red hair, or be named Rachel. <laughs> but we're not gonna talk about Lydia at the beginning of this episode of City of Cast. Instead, we are going to rant about Scott McCall. Um, so I know that you guys noticed, um, and I certainly noticed, that... The episode, once again, was not in the point of view of our favorite Alpha. Um, he, he, it, he was a very secondary character in this episode, once again. And the place where it was most notable was the very end of the episode, um, when Scott says, it wasn't your fault, Liam, it was mine. And normally, in past seasons, the camera would have stayed on Scott and watched him, like, either walk away or watch him, like, work it out on his face. But instead, the camera stayed on Liam, and that, to me, epitomized the fact that this episode wasn't Scott's episode, and they're taking so much away, like, from his character this season. So I wanted to know what you guys thought about that. Yeah, it was really awful. Um, I mean, so much of what was happening in that episode was kind of flipped from Scott right onto Liam, um, like, after Scott walks away, Coach praises Liam for staying on the field in the rain and makes him captain. And then at the end of the episode, you know, Corey, Mason, Hayden, and Liam, like, had their little uh, swag walk through the parking lot when they're like, we're going to catch a, you know, a ghost rider, even though we've proven incompetent at every turn up until right now. Cue <laughs> the slow-mo guys. And then they walked right past the Jeep, which, of course, you know, as the audience were like, you guys just fucked up again. Yeah, Great. <laughs> I was literally screaming, you're fucking useless at my screen. Like, they are so useless. Um, the part that bothered me the most about that scene, uh, I didn't even really, I wasn't even really seething at the fact that the camera stayed on Liam. I was just really upset that once again, Scott was taking blame for something that wasn't his fucking fault. Like, I'm yeah. so sick of people fucking up and Scott being the one like, no, it's my fault. No, baby. No, it's not. You are perfect in every single way. You are an alpha. It just bothers me. Like, it took me right back to season five when, like, Scott apologized to Styles for beating the shit out of him. Like, it just really bothered me. For some reason, like, oh, God, Scott should not be apologizing for shit. Like, oh, I'm sick of it. Mm -hmm. I think that Tyler Posey 
likes playing the martyr in a lot of ways. Like, he likes the damage Scott... Rachel, you and I talked about this in the car on the way to HowlerCon. We were talking about how we think that Posey likes it like this, but as an audience member, seeing Scott get bruised like that over and over again is wrenching and difficult, and it's become very, very tedious. And he doesn't have the happy moments, because, like... Obviously, Tyler has noticed that Dylan gets praised for his emotional acting, so Tyler wants to do that as well, and he's decided, maybe, that by playing the martyr, he can sort of counterpoint, like, the dark emotional scenes that Dylan plays, but at the end of 5B, after, you know, killing someone in self-defense, Styles literally gets to be a hero, and explicitly called out on being a hero by the girl he's in love with. Scott, every time he gets knocked down like Rachel said we don't even get to see his back as he walks away the camera is looking at Liam looking at Scott so like I wouldn't mind if Scott was um, like martyred himself if we got to see the the, the come around of like no 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 yeah. you're worth mm. it you you are deserving of the good things because you try so hard like baby there's no balance there's no balance he's not happy <laughs> upsetting yeah i think we talked about last week how you know what we would want to see for scott or like scenes we would want to see for scott and for me really for me really i would want to see scott have that moment where he's able to absorb and talk about how he's feeling because he does put so much pressure on himself and it's just it's a little bit um I guess disconcerting because in the first episode of this season, we had Scott saying, you know, Beacon Hills is going to be fine without me. Like I'm excited to go off and go to college. And now all of a sudden we're getting this, this other side of Scott where it's, it's very much kind of doom and gloom and he's taking all the blame on himself um, again. So it's, it's, I think it goes back to him being a little bit out of character and maybe back to the writing a little bit too. Yeah. So, moving on from bad characterization for Scott, I guess we should celebrate the fact that Malia's characterization in 603 seems to have been a fluke. She is a little bit back to normal. A little wallet-shaped fluke. (laughs) I was just going to say, I loved Rachel, um, it's always Lydia's tweet about, like, the right Wallace wrote this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, that was written by Eric Wallace, who's written a lot of really good episodes um, for Teen Wolf. And it just flowed better with the tone of the beginning of this season, in my opinion. One thing that I love about Eric Wallace is that his writing doesn't really insult the intelligence of the viewer or the characters. So he, his writing almost assumes that the viewer is as intelligent as the characters, so he doesn't sugarcoat anything for the viewers. And as someone who's watching the show and doesn't want things dumbed down for me the way they are in Will's episode um and even in the season premiere the way things were dumbed down so the the viewer could catch up I really am appreciative of Eric Wallace's writing style um and the way he treated the viewer in this episode of Teen Wolf but back to Malia (laughs) Rachel I mean Rachel um mad grad what do you think about Malia in this episode well, I was going to say, I absolutely um, am, am very appreciative of the fact that she's kind of back to the Malia that we've we've grown to really love and appreciate, because last week's episode, she was just so out of character, and it, well, people who listened to the last week's episode of Studio Cast will know I was very, very salty about it. <laughs> yeah. I was um, so proud of you letting your salt flag fly. <laughs> oh, I thank you. 
<laughs> we need to do oh, like a. God, it's bad. We need to do um, a cover of Freak Flag from Shrek the Musical, but call it Salt Flag and just like have a choreographed dance for the fandom. I love it. Mm. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I liked Malia in this episode, and I specifically really loved her interactions with Chris. Like that really, I thought um, it was smart to have that relationship kind of bloom and build. Um, in this episode, and those ended up being some of my favorite scenes in the episode um, this week. I, I really love the scene at the beginning after he shoots her, <laughs> right? And the whoa, scene with Beth. whoa! <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me finish. No, I'm just and saying, like that scene was just whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It was that, well, first of all, we had Chris and Melissa opening the episode, so hallelujah. Um, but I love the scene with him and Malia where he's like holding her down while Melissa's trying to get the bullet out of her leg. And just the, the rapport that they have, and also Malia like sitting up and just wrenching the bullet out of her leg. Oh my God. But just, it was great. I loved that scene so much. I love the line of um, when he's like, do you have any, like, painkillers or whatever? And Malia's like, I don't need it. And he's like, it's for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, like what um, Rachel, Ron Gaslin was saying about how the writer of this episode did not dumb things down. Um, one of my favorite Chris and Malia scenes was when he was, um, he was talking to Malia about how he saw a hunter go out of control and kill an innocent and how she made excuses because Malia was kind of trying to make excuses for why her behavior has gotten kind of un- wild and unruly. And we know he's talking about Kate. And that makes it a very powerful scene between the two of them because I don't know if Malia knows who he's talking about, but it also made me think of Allison in season two and how she went off a little bit Um, She didn't kill anybody, but she shot at Erica and Boyd. So it was just like, I loved that scene. And I thought how it was really good to see both of these characters embodying what we know them for. Chris for being really raw emotionally and honest. And Malia for also being raw, but kind of just like in a rough and blunt kind of way. And then they kind of came to an understanding in that moment where Malia understood again, I think, the importance of holding on to her humanity because Chris has seen that, too. So I, I loved that scene. Yeah, I love that scene, too. And I, I was also reminded of Allison in season two. And for a millisecond before Malia, like, clarified, and, and Chris clarified, too, that it was Kate that he was talking about, I thought maybe he's going to go there. Like, maybe he's going to talk about Allison a little bit. Um, and I, I kind of wish in a way that he had... But I think the parallel between Malia and Kate was really interesting. Um, And I think, especially if they decide to bring Kate back in some way, which I'm a little, I'm kind of apathetic about that. I don't necessarily think we need her back. But, I mean, it, it would make sense in that context, I guess. But anytime that somebody could bring up Allison, I'm all for it. Especially because she's such a taboo subject around Malia, specifically. Yeah. Because Malia entered literally right as Allison left. So she's like, she's she's never going to get it until somebody sits her down and explains it to her. And Chris would be an excellent candidate for that. Probably the for best sure. one after Scott. For sure. And I love that Chris was just kind of in his role as a teacher this entire episode. Like, we saw him with Malia. We saw him with Melissa. 
it was it was really great to kind of see him in that like parental or um, like mentor role again. Like we'd love to see him with Allison. Mm-hmm. Thinking about like Rachel, what you just said, Rachel's always Lydia. Oh my god, um, this is fun, you guys. We're yeah, fun. this is a real ball. Um, <laughs> I'm, I actually that like set me off. I wonder who in the pack would be the one to explain Allison to Malia because Kira didn't come in until three B. Scott. Well, yeah, but like Scott, Scott's Scott. morning. Scott's morning. Lydia's too snobby towards Malia. Styles is racked no, in she's guilt. Not. Lydia is not so in snobby. season four. Season Maggie, come on. <laughs> not anymore. Not yeah, anymore. but like in season four, when it would need to be explained, Styles is blaming himself. Scott's healing. Lydia's being a snob, and Kira just met Allison in three B, so she isn't the proper candidate to explain it. So like, I'm wondering like. Who, like, sat Malia down and, like, told her the story of, like, the girl that everybody was missing? I mean, I bet that Scott did. I bet Scott did because he was helping teach her, too. Like, he helped her control just the basics of the wear coyote stuff. And then I think it transitioned to Styles. Yeah. And, um, in the Jeep, who was the one that said Kate was Allison's aunt? Lydia. Lydia did. Wasn't it Kira? I think it was a mixture of all of that. Well, yeah, they were, like, because Malia said we don't have to talk about it. No, Kira says we don't have to talk about it, and then Malia goes, yeah, we do. Yeah, that's what I meant, sorry. Um, (laughs) Spoilers, here on CityaCast, no one watches season four more than once. (laughs) I have it. I probably watched it twice, and that was it. Yeah, I watched it once with my roommate, and that's it. Twice. Uh, I mean, like, twice total. But yeah, I mean, I was gonna say, like, Scott should probably be helping Malia a little bit, too, because he's her alpha, but, like, more Chris scenes, uh, I'll... I'll, I'll stop myself from complaining somehow about J.R. Bourne. <laughs> what's, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I hate looking at him. It's, like, really difficult to, like, interact. I just, like, as a viewer, to, like, don't like it when J.R. Bourne is on screen. It's, like, really difficult. huge, long gun. <laughs> Rachel, pour yourself more wine, please. Let's keep this going. What? I, I, I wonder I, if Melissa thinks about his huge, long gun. Oh, yeah. all right. So what do you guys think about the dynamic daddy role this season? What do you guys think about the dynamic between Chris and Melissa? Like, did you guys, how long did it take you to get sold on that? Because for me, it was 10 seconds. Yeah, for same. Me, it's, it's like Skira for me. Like, Scallison is my sheriff and Melissa. But Skira is like, you know, I can deal with it. I almost called Sheriff Noah, and then I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "No one cares." <laughs> I loved how everyone like when he's like, "Yeah, it wasn't." <laughs> when Lyndon on Twitter is like, "Yeah, it's Noah," everyone's like, ah, "Okay, John." <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm okay with it. I think it's hot. I mean, I'm always going to be pro Sheriff Melissa, but I don't mind. Honestly, I'm I'm kind of on the the Chris and Melissa ship right now like i love sheriff and melissa too but that scene where melissa and chris are holding hands at the end of the episode i was just like i'm i'm in love like oh god this is beautiful yes i I agree (laughs) i agree i didn't think i was gonna like it when we kind of got spoiled that chris was gonna be melissa's um love interest because melissa ponzio said she was either gonna be with sheriff or chris and jeff she didn't realize that jeff had told Paul, who runs the Teen Wolf Wiki, that Melissa and Sheriff were not going to happen. So everyone was like, oh, so it's it's Chris. 
and (laughs) just like hearing about that concept I didn't like it but just the way that they wrote their scenes the way that the actors chemistry flowed I was like right yes this is good this is excellent yeah they had me in 10 seconds she's just so cute and then Chris is like you can see him melting a little bit like he's kind of been really standoffish because all of his like close relationships kind of fell apart because Derek left like Allison was obviously gone his wife is dead his sister's gone but he's like melting around Melissa how can you not like that I like it yeah and I it's like for Chris the perfect amount of like strength and gentleness at the same time like, everyone in Chris's family was, like, so fucking hardcore. And Melissa is a badass, but she's also a mom, you know? And she's got, like, this warm, generous heart. And so I think he likes her a lot. Speaking of moms, with or without generous and warm hearts, let's talk about Natalie in this episode. Um, <laughs> I'm also melting a little bit this season. Yeah, I was going to say, Rachel. Um, in the first episode, in the premiere episode, I was like, all right, I'm not forgiving this bitch. I'm, like, mad at her. But then she had some funny dialogue, and I was like, listen, I still hate you, but that was funny. And now I'm, like, I'm at the point where the only thing that I didn't like about Natalie in this episode was when she was like, Lydia, do you know what confirmation bias is? And I'm like, bitch, your daughter is a genius. Yes, she fucking knows what confirmation bias is. Yeah, but that's, like, a mom thing. That's, like, your mom Mm -hmm. saying, like, Rachel, did I not tell you, like, whatever or so? And it's, like, you remember the the time that I angrily, furiously texted you when my mom was like, Rachel, when you're older, you'll understand that boys don't like to be sexually teased. And I was like, how young do do you think I am? (laughs) (laughs) I do a lot of sexual teasing, mom. Holy tangent, Beth. But, yeah, no, I think that she really stepped up this episode way more, especially considering how the episode ended with, like, actually sitting down and listening to Lydia and saying, like, okay, I think that you've gotten yourself worked up about this, and therefore you might be seeing things you want to see but tell me what you have so I can tell you what I see. And that's just great. That's I like that a lot too, Rachel. I totally agree. I really liked Natalie in this episode. I had fun. The Natalie Lydia scene was my favorite scene in the episode. I really liked it. Holland looked beautiful. Her acting was tremendous. It was wonderful to see a normal parent-child interaction. Like, it felt like a mother consoling her daughter about, like, a crush that the daughter had that was probably unrequited, like, a little bit. Like, there was definitely bias there with, like, me as a city shipper, but, like, when you're applying it to normalcy, like, that's what it reads as. It's, honey, I know that you want to think that you're in love with this boy, but well, I don't think, think he you likes are. you, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He does. He loves her. Ew. I know. I know. But just like <laughs> to keep the metaphor going. <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad that she's finally willing to talk about the supernatural. Like she was so like distant in the previous seasons, unwilling and unwavering, just does not want to hear it, doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want to see what's right in front of her face. And this season she's finally like, listen, I know the shit is going on, but uh, we have to prioritize here. Yeah. I so love that I she went, that part of her. I love that she went with Lydia to the hospital to request mm-hmm. to see Claudia's yes. medical record. Me too. I thought that was such a huge step for her to, to even go and request. I mean, Natalie is very much by the books. She likes to follow the rules. And the fact that she went with Lydia to ask Melissa to do something that was totally, like, not HIPAA compliant, I mean, yeah, no. it, it's significant. So yeah. I really enjoyed that scene. And also because I think Melissa would let would like understand how important what Lydia was asking was. If Natalie's standing there next to her saying, like, 
please <laughs> for my daughter yeah. please <laughs> for sure can we talk about the most important part of this entire episode, which is that Styles's and Lydia's moms went to high school together. Oh I like rolled off my bed screaming. I feel so cleansed. I am so alive. Like they probably played together as toddlers and now I want to die. Like, they probably grew up in Beacon Hills together. Oh, my God, I just can't do this. Like, Rachel and I have always <laughs> had this headcanon that, like, like, like Lydia's mom and Styles' mom went to, like, water aerobics together for, like, prenatal Lamaze together. And, like, I was just like, motherfucker, it's all happening. It's all true. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, which is kind of weird that they're so cold and distant in this but i guess maybe season six hasn't really delved into them yet um but well, another scene the same high school they didn't say they were friends you know but it's like oh i've known her since high school it's not like i knew her in high school oh okay she says she said since so also, she's like throwing shade like i've known her since high school she's a bitch but she's no fraud it makes me <laughs> it makes me think of the like hey lydia you look like you're gonna ignore me scene in like a whole new context because like if they played together as kids like if they were childhood friends like they were babies and they like took fucking baths together because their moms were friends shut up rachel i'm head let me have this let's talk about lydia in this episode now that we've already started talking about lydia in this episode um yeah we got a comment that said that they were really excited about how awesome lydia was this season and that she is seeing through claudia known fraud Fraudia, yeah. if you will. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's the best thing I've ever I'm gonna heard. sneak into your house at night and embroider the word Fraudia onto all your clothes. <laughs> no, <laughs> not my Lydia outfits, though. The best thing I've ever heard Rachel say. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> god. Wow. Like this, though. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say. I loved the scene with uh, Lydia and Claudia where Lydia is like clearly looking at Claudia and she's like narrowing her eyes and she's like, I think there's something weird going on. And then I happened to see a parallel like gift set on Tumblr of Claudia grasping uh, Lydia's wrist with Cora grasping her wrist and then style saying let go. And I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like I thought you were going to talk right about the parallel gift set of Lydia narrowing her eyes at Claudia, and then Styles narrowing her eye, his eyes at the guy who was hitting. Yeah, the orderly. Lydia. Yeah, I saw that one too. That was that was really good too. Oh, yeah, I don't know if it's intentional that they're putting all these little tiny mirrors to prior seasons and scenes with Styles or not, but it's fun if if they are to notice them. Yeah, the fandom's picking up on it, which is honestly fun enough in itself. <laughs> but, um, and we were talking about this pre recording but a parallel that we wanted to see and didn't see and it kind of ties into i think some of the problems we've had this entire season at the end of the episode scott and malia tell lydia that they're, they don't think that styles is real and that she's wrong and that b- bothered all of us because in motel california allison says to lydia that she believes her because after everything like she's learned you need to believe Lydia when she has these feelings. And You're just shamefully you targeting said. Maggie now. You're just doing it on purpose to target yeah, Maggie. Targeted. Go yeah. on. Um, Eric Wallace, known targeter of Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it made me so sad that like, and we have a theory as to why Scott gave up, but like 
these are supposedly Lydia's best friends in this current timeline with no styles and that they tell her to her face like there's no concrete proof your feeling doesn't matter as much as these other problems Ew. really bothered me me too with that my because theory I, though i wanted scott to say that he believed her but he needed to do something else first that's exactly and, it i think that scott's like we have to prioritize and that didn't come across like they didn't give him as a character the opportunity to express it like i went back and i rewatched it and i did feel that i was like correct in my like my knee-jerk reaction was fuck and then my second reaction was, okay, calm down. He's just trying to prioritize. And so then I went back and I rewatched the scene and I was like, okay, he's just trying to prioritize. He's saying that like, there isn't any evidence of Styles. He didn't leave anything behind and they have to save people's lives. But the, the show didn't make that clear. And they're doing a huge disservice to Scott as a character, to Skidia friendship, to Skiles, the bro TP, the, the, the thing that Jeff always said was the main romance of Teen Wolf. Like you destroyed Skiles in season five and now you're like coming back for round two after they're still they just got up they were unconscious for a bit they get up off the ground and then you swing again yeah i just how bad they're writing scott this season takes away everything i like from some of the episodes like i did really like this episode Mm -hmm. and then that scene with the scenes with scott happened and i was like my main thing is like they they definitely goofed writing that part with scott but to me, it's like, I don't want Lydia to be alone in this. Like, I don't want Lydia to go back to the headspace of when she was wrong about finding Styles and Iken and then questioning herself and her abilities, like, over and over again. You know? So, Scott and Lydia and my babies, they did... They're going through it this season. All right, so, speaking of theories slash predictions, because we made one about Scott. Uh-huh, that was a good tie-in, right? No. Um, we're going to go now to Theory of the Week, which is going to be by Rena slash Fuck Yeah Styles and Lydia on Tumblr. So, take it away, Rena. Hi, everyone. My theory for this week is another short one, and it's about Styles Stolinski Sr. It's about Grandpa. Um, I know we talked a lot about Claudia being alive and how weird that is and what does that mean, but we don't really talk about why Grandpa's alive. And um, I think that in the, the real storyline, the true narrative, that Grandpa is definitely dead. Um, Sheriff Stalinsky has a burial flag, a military burial flag, in his office displayed behind his desk, and it's been there forever. Um, I noticed it way back, I don't even know what season, and I was always under the impression that he must have had someone close to him, either a parent, mom or dad, mom or dad probably, who was um, a either police officer or a military personnel who had died away and was given military burial service. Although I think they do that with police too, if you die in the line of duty. And we know Claudia didn't, didn't die in the line of duty and she wasn't a cop or a military. And then when they delved into Stal Stalinsky's backstory you know he went to the military so I I believe that that flag is for his father um who is dead in the true narrative and that's probably why we never hear any of them talk about him so I think when we talk about Claudia Stalinsky being dead and her being back in this narrative we kind of paint her as like a villain but when you add the fact that Stiles Stalinsky Sr. is dead but brought back too, it kind of almost makes these two people being um, being brought back like an effect of Styles rather than an effect of the Wild Hunt is here to 
you know, use Claudia as a shade and kind of prevent the pack from figuring things out through her. I don't think that it's that it's that kind of I don't think the Wild Hunt is going to be that dedicated, basically. Um, and I think that both Claudia and Grandpa Stolinski are just shades of styles. Like the writer said, when a person is wiped, the, the world, Mother Nature kind of fills in the gaps to kind of make up for the story. And I think that these people are just popped up because they needed to fill out the, the styles the styles holes um kind of like what we saw with the jeep all right so thank you to reyna for that and we will see how that pans out and now rachel is going to read the question for this week okay so our question reads as so do you think time runs differently in the train station after seeing the sneak peek it's interesting peter doesn't realize how long it's been since he was erased then again they probably don't have a way to track time i don't know man and the thing that has made me, that has been in my head ever since we got the idea of the train station is the river Lethe, which is in Greek mythology, which is in the underworld, um, where you drink from it. And the more you drink from it, the more you forget your past life and the more okay you are with essentially being in purgatory because the Greek underworld is not very nice. So <laughs> it's very drab, basically, which reminds me a lot of the train station, and Reina, I think, even pointed out in one of her prior theories that they seem very blah, and, like, they're already dead, or they're, like, just missing some part of themselves, so I think that time gets fucked up the longer you're down there, and you also lose yourself a little bit, which is a part of the reason why they, like, like, Lydia has the sense of urgency with finding styles, it's not just, oh, something is missing, like, you can't tell me you saw that bedroom scene where she woke up I think that the longer that the people are in the train station, the, um, the I guess, less aware of time they become. So I think the fact that Peter was there, I believe he said in the, the preview three months, um, I think that he's kind of lost sense of himself and who he, and who he is, um, or not necessarily who he is, but how long he's been there um, in, in that way. But that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's no clocks on the wall. There's no way to really track it. So you're just kind of sitting in the room. Well, there's that sign that says back in five minutes, forever. (laughs) (laughs) So horrible customer service on top of sitting there for all eternity. (laughs) As one does. It's like the DMV. All right, so given what we've talked about tonight, I feel like we were mostly negative considering the fact that I feel pretty positively towards this episode. We talked about the things we didn't like a lot, but there were a lot of things I did like. So with that in mind, let's do our red string ratings. And we're going to start with Rachel Madgrad. Um, tell us your red string rating. And then then we're going to like see if we agree with you. Okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Well, I honestly would give this episode probably like a 2.75 because I liked it better than last week's episode, but it still wasn't my favorite. I don't think it was as strong as episodes one and two. Um, and really, for me, the only the only things that I, I really enjoyed were the Chris, Melissa, Lydia, and Malia scenes. And there just wasn't enough Scott. Rachel, how about you? Um, wow, I was gonna give it, like, a 2.8 or a 2.9 because I was feeling 
post-episode that it was a three, but then when I thought about how poorly the Scott scenes went, I was like, man, I really don't enjoy episodes that don't understand Scott McCall as a character because he's the main character, so you should understand him the best, and you should spend the most time with him. So yeah, I'm going to say like a 2.9. Maggie? I'm gonna say a three and originally I was like wow that's so low and then I heard you guys start giving it two points something and I was like all right that's pretty high actually um I'm gonna give it a three the only thing that would have really improved it in quality is had there been more Scott and Lydia there was didn't somebody say there was like 10 minutes of them out of 40 minutes that's just unacceptable to me yeah I give it a three okay on the gauge that season four was all around the board a two I'm going to give this episode a three yeah, as well. Season four was a one. <laughs> oh, well, if season four was a one, then this is going to be a 2.5 for me. But if season four is a two, then I'm going to give it a three. Um, because I loved the things that I loved. You know what I mean? Like, the things that I loved, I was like, this is on point. The things that I didn't love, there was too much of. But, like, I've gotten very used to watching Teen Wolf and, like, glomming on to the pieces that I like and like suckling the marrow out of them and being like so yeah yeah that's a voice that I make all the time that's my that's what my sex moan sounds like actually it's like so anyways with that lovely image in everyone's head it has been a lovely evening recording with you girls and thank you so much for being on this week's episode of Cast. we will see y'all next week don't forget to check out our twitter during the episode for a special guest live tweeter <laughs> tweeter i don't know why that was funny to me um and <laughs> and don't forget to send us your questions in your are nope don't send yourself questions in your inbox send us questions in our inbox on tumblr or to studiacast at gmail.com for now my name's rachel i'm ron gasm on tumblr i'm rachel and i'm it's always lydia on tumblr i'm maggie and i'm red string banshee on tumblr and i'm rachel and i'm madgrad 2011 on tumblr and next week the style stands rise. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this week's Stidia Cast. After next week's episode of Teen Wolf, tell us what you think of it by emailing stidiacast at gmail.com and your comment might be featured on our show. Don't forget to follow us on our Tumblr, Stidiacast, or our Twitter, Stidia underscore cast. A special thanks to our editor, Rosemary, Row Your Boat on Tumblr, and to our wonderful anonymous donor for making season three of CityaCast possible. See you next week for more shenanigans. You bring the tissues and we'll... Actually, we should probably be bringing tissues too.